What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Lada, what do you got? All right, so I heard you guys were excited about this story. You guys want to talk about it, so I was like, oh, let's do it. So, Matt, you guys know I just moved, and I was looking for furniture. I actually went through Craigslist, didn't really find anything that was interesting to me, but this lady went, found what she needed, got it for free, but then, you know, got a little gift in there when she examined the sofas. She found $36,000 in that furniture, that furniture. She did return the money. She reached out to the family and said, hey, this is what I found. But I thought it was cool that the family said, thank you for returning the money, and then they paid for her fridge. They paid for her fridge. How much did that fridge cost? Do you take $2, the $2,200. I'd take the cash value, personally, but maybe I wouldn't either, because I don't know that I want to take cash from somebody who's leaving cash in a, in a couch. You know what I'm saying, George? Well, the family member passed away. They gave out you know, the stuff. There's more to the story. I'm just making so it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a believer that possessions is nine-tenth of the law. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think it's different if like, all, see, because uh, we've had this conversation in different variations and yeah. forms over the years. And like, for example, if all of a sudden, you know, you're driving on the 405 and some Brinks truck opens up and money's flying everywhere. I ain't getting any of that because they finding you, bro. OK, right. like that ain't happening. And even if I were to find like some suitcase randomly somewhere, right, with cash in it or a duffel bag, right, around like LA Live, I'm like, mm, too many cameras around here. Something's up, okay? <laughs> I ain't getting caught like this, all right? right? I'm leaving this right here. I, or I'm gonna take it to the authorities, right? I'm gonna go to the. I'm gonna find a security guy and be like, hey, yeah, there's this bag here. You guys take care of that, yep. okay? So, but if I buy a couch at some random concession store or whatever the hell. Um, like a Salvation Army or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I find five grand in it, it's staying with me. So that's your threshold, five yeah. grand. Okay, can I, let me let me. Well, say- I'm not saying it's the money. It's not the money. It's the, if couch. I find $100 in the couch that I bought at Salvation Army or or Goodwill or wherever, um, it's or money. some consignment store, I'm, I'm keeping the money. I bought the couch. Okay, now here's what I'm going to say in sort of the opposite direction. I'll go right up to... About $10,000 because $10,000 in cash is the limit that you have to fill out a form at the bank in order to <laughs> deposit it in cash. I learned that right, when I was but a if teller you, uh, it, back in the you, day. But now, yeah, that is true, but you could also just you know start depositing. I, in I get that, that. but the, here's yeah, the yeah. thing, though. The reason why it's got to be a one-shot deal is because if we get above that number, then I'm starting to believe that the people whose money it actually is – do not have the same regard for the law that I might have. And right, I fair. do not want to be on these people's bad side. I do not need to be out on my deck one day and some guy <laughs> asks me, hey, where's that 15 grand when I'm chilling trying to eat breakfast? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I'm more afraid of than I am somebody seeing me on a camera taking the money. I need to know who that money belongs to mm-hmm. before well, there's that I'm too. actually that is trying to take that off but their those, house. Those people, Hands. though, they sold it. Like They obviously sold the couch knowing or not knowing that the money was in there yeah, they gave so it they're, away. they're not they're not missing it because they don't know it's there because if they did know it was there they wouldn't have given them the couch are you familiar with a little concept we called mules and stash houses they might not have known it was there somebody might have known so it was there is what i'm saying you know what i mean like if there's something in a box in your basement that you don't know is there you discussed this before with your boyfriend in the garage oh. you know what i mean if you didn't know it was there and then you gave it away and then you found out wait a second something of mine but is at in that there. point it's off yeah you're right you know right. what i mean like yeah, it's, it's, it's 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 tough because Depending on where that money comes from, it might come back to haunt you. So the reason why this story was like it gravitated to me, I mean, obviously 36K, but I was um, 
My mom used to love to like go to garage sales and stuff, right? Because she used to sell at the swap meet. So one of my friends was like, hey, my, my neighbor in front of me is moving. They threw away a bunch of stuff. It looks kind of cool, like whatever. So I go in, the lady's like, oh, yeah, like old frames. But I didn't even want the picture in it. I just wanted the frame because it looked cool. And this older lady comes running out of the house. It was like, not that one. <laughs> exactly. And then she was like, no, ma, we don't need it, blah, blah, blah. She was like, just take it. It literally in my car. And the lady looks at me and she goes, not that one. Yikes. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, here's your thing back. The lady opens the back of it and there's a bunch of cash in the back. See? And Why would she the, do that in front of you? That's weird. And then like, I don't know, girl, that's their thing. But yeah. like, she goes, the lady goes like, uh, the one that was giving it to me, she's like, Ma, that was all in there? And she was like, yeah, that's why I said not <laughs> that one. Right. And that's oh. somebody's mom running out of the attic. Yeah. That's not somebody's <laughs> cousin with the 4-4 mag yeah. on him pulling up in the, you know, in the Cadillac. You don't want crazy. that. That's not yeah. good for business. Did everybody else at the sale, like, then, like, like, crowd around and be like, oh, my God, what <laughs> right. is this? Also, what is all this money? Tearing everything up. Yeah. yeah. No. She just, like, rips out all this money out of a thing. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, what's going well, on here? Because the thing, it was like it was like a young girl, you know, kind of like I've told my mom, take all this crap out and just donate it, whatever. And this lady, like this older lady, probably my mom's age, comes running out. And I'm like, damn, lady, you got some. You ran some tracks cash. somewhere, yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. her money was back there, so she wanted that. That's funny. That is funny. That is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Now, I, I want to ask you a question, um, Clinton, because mm -hmm. Stephen A. Smith, our pal, today said something. What, what was it he said? That Michael Jordan ruined the game? Is that what he said? I, um, I've tried so hard to stay away from this until it was the time to do it, but please let me know. Do we have the sound or were we just operating on rumor? Because I saw this on Twitter. Right. And I saw Steve, Well, Kevin Durant went back at I him. saw and Steve Skip and KD and Shannon Sharp. getting into yeah. this. Yes. I'm not these this is not my pay grade, so I'm gonna listen to you tell me this story. Yeah, I, I mean he basically said whether Steph Curry and Michael Jordan have changed the game of basketball in a positive way. And Stephen A said that he believed that Steph had changed the game for the better, um, and that Michael Jordan was responsible as much as anyone for changing the game for the worse. And what? I don't think that's such a hot take, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, now I, I I'll give you my understanding of it. Because Michael Jordan, when you think about the what Michael Jordan was. Now, yes, we have those moments of him passing to Steve Kerr or John Paxson or whatever. But for the most part, Michael Jordan ushered in the one-on-one -on -one basketball era. The ball hog era, yes. Correct. And what ended up happening was, after the fact, you know, when Kobe was still young, right? Like, you know, he was that was part, part of the issue with him and Shaq, right? Like, that was part of the, uh, the crux of their issues together. And then the other part of it is you had guys like, and I listen, I love Allen Iverson. But, you know, people say when you look at that Philly team, well, it was basically one guy and then a bunch of dudes just rebounding for him. You know what I mean? And like playing defense for right. him. And same thing with Steve Francis or Stephon Marbury, right? Like those, a lot of those. that, And I think that's what's, I, and again, I did not see it, but there are plenty of people that have that opinion. Like I don't think he's alone on that. And I think when you look at the Warriors, as you kind of alluded to earlier, Clinton, if they play Warrior style of basketball, you feel like they should be fine. And the Warrior style of basketball is basically an evolution of what kind of the Spurs did more recently, sure. right? Uh, which is just tremendous ball movement, right? And, and the Warriors kind of took that and put it on its head, right? And by the way, before the, the, the Spurs, the Suns did it in a way that just didn't equate to a championship. But the... The other part of this is that I, I actually think Stephen A's right, but KD took it as an opportunity 
to take a swipe at Stephen A. and Skip and Shannon and saying that they ruined uh, basketball for the worse because of their takes. Okay, number one, this is such a New York-type story where the big guard for the second biggest team brand-wise. In the, I like them arguing about this in public is very funny to me on a level that is completely separate from the actual discussion. So there's that part. As for the discussion, George, I it's this is hard for me for one reason, and I don't mean to sound ignorant on this, but I'm only 41 years old. There's not a world I know in any reality outside of, you know, studying old tapes for various reasons of research in which I can think of the on the ground sporting impact of anybody without Michael Jordan being part of the discussion. That's just not there. And so it's really hard for me to parse this notion of basketball before and after, not because I'm not smart enough to do it, but because what basketball was forget about just on the court, but in, in, in all of our understandings so completely changed after Michael Jordan really blew up and then went to an even deeper sort of realm of what our connectivity to basketball is in general with Allen Iverson, who is my favorite basketball player of all time. It's, it's hard for me to say that it's just it, because I don't know that I would care about basketball if it wasn't for those guys, you know no, what I'm saying? And so like, sure. The on the court style of Michael Jeffrey Jordan, basically give it to Jordan and figure out the rest, but you happen to have a good enough coach and a good enough system where they put guys around him so that it looked as if it was the smart play, not just the sort of easy play. I, there's no world in which I'm going to say that made basketball worse. I, I just can't. It, does, it doesn't make sense to me. And so to comparatively talk about Jordan to Curry, sure, they might have been similar in that they both affected change in the oh, same in way, way. But there's yeah. no way for me to comparatively say one was better than the other. It just, that just doesn't add up to me. Uh, well, only because, you know, the fruit that it, it, it bared out, right, yeah. um, was not as great post-Jordan. Now, you can also make the case that that was because it was just the greatest superstar maybe we'd ever seen right. in professional sports in America had retired, and there was just this vacuum. And, you know, Shaq and Kobe were too young still, and, and, and like, they were just getting started uh, in their run. And that the vacuum that was left was too was too big. You know what I mean? Like it just it just was even for those guys, right? And yeah. they, I thought they filled it fairly admirably. Uh, those two in particular, but you know, for as much as I give Kaplan grief about Tom Brady, when Tom Brady retires, now granted, there's going to always be great quarterbacks. I mean, that there's going to leave a little bit of a vacuum. Although there are unbelievable quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and even Aaron Rodgers if he still stays around. But it's going to be a little bit of a vacuum. But Michael Jordan, that's like a, like, I mean, I, there's not a vacuum big enough in the no, world, right? It's, like it's, that, it's a vacuum of a lifetime. And that's right. where this is so difficult for me because at the same time, I hear t- people telling me all the time, well, the NBA now is not what it was in the 90s. And I'm like, well, hold on. Are you going to discount? Are you going to say Jordan ruined the game because he was better than the people that you think were better than the average people now? Like, I don't. The argument doesn't stack up to me because I hear all the time, oh, yeah. he beat this guy, he beat that guy. That's why they never got a ring. Okay, those were great players. How does that ruin the game yeah. if he's beating the best players you all people consider of your lifetime? I don't, yeah, I don't, I I don't thought, understand that. I, I thought the early 2000s um, were not great. was not great basketball, no. I thought, like I mean, overall. And by the way, it, you know, I'm not. this isn't the reason, but it's why the Lakers, uh, you know, the Lakers stood out in such a big way because they had Shaq and Kobe, because of Phil Jackson, because of – they had – the Lakers, that run of the Lakers team 
I thought their role players were better than any of the Bulls' role players, like as a collective. Oh, let's talk about this. Who are you referring to? Just, I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely asking you. Like, you, you think so? You're so saying... I think the combination of Ori, Fox, and Fisher right. are better than any three role players you can name from the on Bulls, the Bulls combined. And yeah. we're not counting Rodman as a role player because he was a big no, star. No, he's a Hall right? of Famer. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's probably true. And I think that the connectivity between the, – the, the difference between the Bulls and the Lakers, I thought, was that the roles – Rather, the gap between the star players and the role players was bigger than it was with the Bulls. And I know they had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. But those teams seem to be just a little different in terms of how they all how all the pieces fit together where the role players I don't want to say seemed like stars but it was just a different relationship in my opinion in terms of how the Bulls ran their team versus how those I also feel were. like Shaq in particular. Well yeah, um, he's Shaq. was great about <laughs> like giving those guys love, mm-hmm. right? When he had the the stage, right? Like he'd always talk about Robert Ory and Rick Fox and Derek Fisher. Like he really talked them up in the media, which I think helped in a big way too. Whereas I don't feel like Jordan really did any of that. No, I mean, you didn't see Jordan talking about guys unless he was ripping them in practice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And making sure that they were motivated enough to do it. But Jordan also yeah. like, I mean, he was just a completely different sort of supernova in the context of not just basketball, not even just sports, but American marketing. You know what I mean? The guy was a yeah. global superstar on a level that we'd never seen to that point, yeah. at least not in the modern NBA. So, know? And I would also push back on Kevin Durant about Stephen A., Skip, and Shannon uh, because those guys have gotten us to understand Kevin Durant even more so than we ever have because of his – his being so vocal about his disdain for them. Uh, you know, and uh, so I actually look at that as a positive. I, I um, think that's funny too, because in the yeah. same way that I was mentioning, like, I don't know what a world without Jordan. Like, I mean, how old is KD? Like, yeah. KD doesn't know a whole lot of worlds where these guys haven't been yelling on TV for a long Correct. time. You know what Correct. I mean? Like, so, yeah. I'm and not by really the way, sure this point of references. I, I remember years and years and years ago, I did an interview with LeBron and we were talking about Skip Bayless at the time and just like, you know, all the stuff he would say about him. And LeBron just laughed. He's like, yeah, Skip is like my Howard Cosell. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that LeBron is always, while he's used it as fuel, he's always just like kind of laughed it off for the most part, I think. Whereas KD, he's like, nah, I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of annoyed. Oh, KD's not laughing at all. But then again, we saw the headlines today. LeBron James. Billionaire, so he is a billionaire. Congratulations! Things are getting very, very nice in the James household these days. Yes, for sure. Uh, All right, coming up next, the greatest story that we've had this week is this fantasy football story in Major League Baseball, and there has taken an even another twist into this thing. So we got to get to that because everyone has a crazy fantasy football story. I have one I told yesterday. I don't know if you heard it, but I will tell it again. Okay. Uh, I did it during crosstalk, super crosstalk, pardon me, uh, yesterday, and I will tell you uh, about that story coming up as well, Clint, because I think you will laugh. You will howl with laughter <laughs> when I tell you this story. Okay, good. All right, that's coming up next, plus Radio Tinder at 530, and then our buddy Blake Harris, who is our Dodgers insider. Check out his Substack. Subscribe to it. It's the best Dodger info you're going to get, I think. Uh, someone covering the Dodgers on a daily basis. You know, we don't. I'm just not putting him on just because I don't. You know, I'm doing the guy a favor. Like I literally think the guy, the kid, is really, really good, and you should be taking in his content. So he's going to join us in the last segment before we turn it over to the NBA Finals. All right, we're back in two minutes. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Sedano Cap with you here. CY hanging out today. We'll take you up till 6 o'clock for game one of the NBA Finals. I was not in the club last night. You were not? No. We all were. Yeah, you all were. I was not. You got the rubbers. Mm. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's well okay. played. Well played. We can go on another Wednesday if you'd like. Nah, y'all aren't invited. I'm going to have okay. a whole side crew. We're going to do live broadcasts. It's going to be great. Taylor's going to be a He's huge so star. CY and the side crew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he needs you to be a huge star. He's clearly a huge star after he, last night, Clinton. I didn't say he needed me. I was just letting the people know who want to join on board. People were raving about him on Twitter. Good. Like, his Mason yeah. shared that video. And Good. people are like, this guy's got it. Jorge Good. was like, this kid has talent. Good. I might bring some of my industry friends. Tell you what. Get him a record deal. Tell you what. That's like certain straight out of the Nashville headlines. You know what I mean? Storylines, excuse me. Anyway, fantasy football. So this story. Now, for those that don't know the genesis of this story, Lindsay, do you want to tell this? Clinton, do you want to I tell can the tell, genesis I can of the story? I can tell the genesis of this story. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> so Tommy Pham is a player who plays for the Reds at this point. He was in the minor leagues for a really long time. You might remember him from being stabbed outside of a gentleman's establishment quite a few times when he was enjoying his night. This was probably five years ago or so. Jock Peterson, who we all well know well from his Palo Alto career, tremendous high school uh, wide receiver, I believe, goes on, you know, he played for the Dodgers, Jocktober, all that, went over to the Braves, blah, blah, blah. Now he's with the hated Giants, and he's got the blonde hair going, looking like he's got a career in WWE after his baseball career. Now, apparently, news, news broke, like, I think it was, what what day is today? Today's Thursday. I think this was like the day or two after I told you I saw him uh, ringing the bell at the Warriors game. Yeah, yes, it was, it, was about a, it was about a week ago. And yeah. there was a night, there was like, it was a, it was a relatively late in the day report. I think they were doing a pregame pool. And Jock revealed that, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting the order of the Tommy story Tommy Pham now. had said he, he revealed, Jock revealed it. was out there. He revealed it. It was out there. He said there was a fantasy football situation, and then that was day one of the news story. Everybody in the baseball world laughed and ran with it and said, oh, my goodness, big reminders of the movie How High, Where's My Powder? If you haven't seen that and don't know that reference, you should check it out. And we're thinking to ourselves, dang, Major League Baseball players are slapping each other in the face over fantasy football? This is great. Then we find out, George, the smoking gun in the TMZ era that there is video grainy ballpark cam video from it behind the dugout maybe inside the dugout and fam just walks up to him in left field and pops him in the face right and this is where the news gets crazy for me yeah young jock does nothing at all and there are multiple people around and then 
Fam says, he says, well, he was messing with my money. Next thing you know, Fam gets suspended for three games. Now his money's really messed with. Yeah. Then in the interim, Jock Peterson reveals the gift that he sent that set off Fam, which was so incredibly harmless. I can't believe they went off over this. And then finally. What was the gift? I didn't know that. The gift was something. It was like, oh, man, it was like. Something sort of looked, looked like an ALS challenge kind of thing where people were doing bu- dumping buckets on their head and one right. person really screwed it up. And it, it, and it was the girl of the three, and that symbol had the Padres over it, which is Fam's old team, while the yeah. other teams in it were not teams that he had played for. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. It was childish. It was not a big deal right. at all. And then Tommy Fam reveals that the problem was that Mike Trout is a terrible commissioner. The huge reveal of all of this yeah. is that Michael Trout – who people don't even know the sound of his voice, who have liked baseball for a long time, is in the interim. The golden boy is slumming it in his illicit fantasy football leagues with Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson. Oh, the drama. We love it. So here's my fantasy football story. Okay. So back in the day, kids, when uh, pre- not pre-internet, but pre-everything pre- happened on the internet. Yeah, pre-right, everything happened on the internet. The the drafts were not on the internet were not necessarily a thing. Okay, let's just say. no. You had boards. You gathered with your crew. That was Correct. kind of the whole thing. Correct. There were boards, big boards that like poster boards, like uh, you know, and then you'd you'd pin them up somewhere. Yeah, and then there were stickers for each player, and there'd be you know little squares that you'd put the stickers. For the player you drafted in said round, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you would congregate at somebody's house or maybe a bar in like a back room or something mm-hmm. or whatever. So I was at one of these events many, many years ago. And I was – we had, a, we had a, a time limit on picks, okay? So we had like someone literally – like a, a On the clock. Yeah. And the, stop, the, the clock expired. And the guy went to go up there – and grab the name he wanted to grab. The guy that this was the guy who's who had ex, the, the clock had expired on him. Sure, pick number three the, versus four. We'll just say number four yes. runs up and rips the sticker of the player <laughs> out of his hand. I don't even remember who the player was. He was like in the third round or something, and rips it out. The sticker breaks in half. He then puts it on his square, and like up, like this gets heated. The dude who was picked three, who the clock expired, grabs his beer, throws it at him. Oh, like, no. Like, like, like the, like the, the mug, like throws- empties the mug in his face. Okay, so not the fastball, just turned no, it no, over no. on him. Just All right. poured it on him, basically. <laughs> the dude who was the later pick grabs a handful of chicken wings and throws it at his face. Oh, no. We, we, people need to be, come up and separate that. I mean, this was a <laughs> wild scene, okay? And I, I – so I – when this story came out, I hadn't thought of this in 15 or 20 years, okay, because it had been so that, long. That's why it's funny, because you clearly had definitely forgotten about it, and as soon as this came up, you were like, oh, right. I remember yeah. this, the beer thrown, the ripped sticker, the chicken wings, yes, all of it. <laughs> Incredible stuff. So let me ask you this. I have so many questions about this. Did you ever think, th- is this the kind of crew, was this the kind of crew where this might have come to fisticuffs if they hadn't been separated? Or was it more of a hold me I, oh, back and you perhaps. guys didn't want to embarrass each other in so public? It, I, it was very early in the league for me. But knowing them later on, it might have. It could have. Sure. It, it could have is what I would say. 
And the last thing we wanted was, A, fisticuffs, B, getting thrown out of the bar and not being able to finish the fantasy football draft. You know what I mean? Like, so there was a lot of things at stake here. I've done um, one draft in public where – because I didn't play fantasy football in that era. I wasn't really into it. And I've done one draft in public where, in the exact opposite way, there were a bunch of people that were from around the country. And there happened to be a decent amount of those people that had sort of relocated to various parts of the East Coast – that said, you know what, I'll show up for the draft. And lo and behold, it was the first time anybody in this group had ever done a draft where everybody was there in person, even right. though we were doing it on the internet. And the coolest thing happened, the exact opposite story, right when we're getting ready to get the number one pick on the clock, the last guy in this league who we never expected to show up, who was probably the worst player in the league, but all of our friends just walked through the door on the full surprise tip, and we all just exploded like, whoa, what's that guy doing here? And he had a great yeah. draft. It was really fun. We did yeah, not fight. I, we cheered. I became the guy that as the inter- – because we would then do it both on the internet and in person. Mm-hmm. That as – I think I did one year where that uh, in person after that. Like I was like, mm, I can just stay home, do right. this with my laptop. I think I'm just going to do that. Yeah, so. no, it's easier. I mean, if we did something here, a big event, I'd probably do that. I mean, we'd still use the internet, but I think live fantasy we football We used to do a big fun. fantasy, like, uh, event. Um, yeah. Where we'd have some of the fantasy guys from different companies come down and and give people advice. We used to do that. We should probably do that again. I mean, it was all pre-COVID, obviously. Right, so. Lindsay, you know what I do for fantasy football these days, right? I don't know. You don't know? No. What do you do for fantasy football, Quinn? Please tell <laughs> so me. So for those who don't I'm know. I'm dying to know. Four years ago, I was asked to be in what was then the undefeated fantasy football league. I didn't want to play. I was like, listen, you guys care about this a lot more than I do. I'm not really that good at it. I just like watching football with my friends and getting drunk or taking notes because I got to talk about it the next day on TV or whatever. They were like, no, nah, bro, you got to join the league. This is what we do, this, that, and the third. I'm like, okay, all right, guys, sure, whatever. I won the league. Blew everybody out of the water, including beating my boss in the playoffs. Didn't know jack about it. Didn't care. Figured it wasn't that hard. Talked to all the trash in the world. They were like, well, all right, well, what are you going to do next year? I was like, I'm not coming back. They're like, what are you talking about? You have to defend your title. I was like, all right, fine. I'll defend my title. Picked only white guys, and I've never gone back since. The colonizers are the name of my fantasy wow. team. And they're not bad. It's not as bad as you think, but I did it just to jam it to him. I was like, all right, I'll beat you guys with only white dudes. And I beat a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I do now. The colonizers. It's a whole thing. Ay, ay, ay. I know, right. right? That's the fun part. <laughs> all right. Coming up next, we've got Radio Tinder each and every day at 530. Then we'll talk some Dodgers with our pal Blake Harris at 545. Stick around. CY in for Cap. It's Sedano and Cap here on 710. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
All right, so speaking of good times, have you guys ever been to a Las Vegas pool party, you know, any of the big clubs, and spent some time in their pool? Because if you have, you probably spent a crap ton of money, you probably had a really good time, and you probably even, like, slightly questioned the water in said pools. (laughs) Well, Inside Edition recently tested the pool water at three popular Las Vegas clubs, Marquee Daylight Beach Club and Tau Beach Day Club, and they found everything from fingernails, cigarette butts, oh, and disgusting okay. foamy debris floating in the pool. Snack away. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then after sending these samples to a lab, the results show quote a lot of fecal bacteria and said that the potential for an infection occurring seems inevitable. One of the lab techs compared the results to quote swimming in a toilet. Would you ever swim in a Las Vegas club pool again, knowing this info? Swipe left or swipe right, Sedano. Uh, swipe left. I've never swam in one of those day uh, party pools. Um, I usually hang out outside the pool um, for those reasons, because I just assumed that that water was infested with nastiness. I love the way I'm swiping left on this, but I love the way that we've got our best and brightest figuring out mysteries of the world. Like, I don't know, Las Vegas pool water is disgusting. I could have told you that without the usages of science, simply by using my eyeballs and seeing what the humans in front of my face are doing before and after they get in that pool. That may be true, but it does not prevent thousands of people from flocking to said pools every day in Las Vegas. When I was there like two months ago, they had recently opened that giant sports book pool I can't remember the name of which club it's at right now, but it's literally just a huge pool that has all these decks and there's this gigantic screen that's like the size of the entire hotel. And they have all these different games going on and everything. Um, And people were... It, it's packed. You have to have a reservation just to be able to enter the pool area. It's crazy. I, I, I believe you and I understand that. But if, I don't know, a global pandemic wasn't going to stop people from doing what they're doing, I certainly don't think that a scientific study is going to stop people from showing up in Vegas and risking their lives just so they can get on the gram, which ah. is a terrible state for America. Really gross. Really, really, really gross. Yeah, oh. no no thanks. I mean, there's a lot of things in Vegas that I, I really love. Um, those parties, while I used to enjoy them, um, the pool part of it, never something that I ever really took. I was never like, yeah. cool enough to be a part of those <laughs> while I was young enough to actually attend them. So you you didn't get the invites for the pool parties either? Absolutely not. You know, black <laughs> folks don't get invited to the pool to swim. You know that. Come on now. No, I, I'm joking. But yeah. I love Vegas, and it's like I've, I had never been to Vegas until I think like three years ago when I went there for a work thing. And I was like, I hate gambling. You might as well throw your money out the window. I hate Vegas. Now I love it, especially since I win a bunch of stuff and I get stuff for free all the time. I've never been to a Vegas pool ever in my life. Like, it just yeah, does yeah, not appeal to me fine. whatsoever. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, and you're not missing anything. Vegas is one of those places that as your station in life goes up, the experience there improves dramatically. Oh, yeah. You get to learn all everything. the ins and outs yeah. and stuff, like, yeah. like food places, all that. All right. So next, next one. A Swedish woman broke a Guinness World Record when she went tandem skydiving at the age of 103 last week. What? Yes. The Guinness adjuster was on hand to confirm that the woman earned the record for the oldest tandem parachute jump ever for a female. The previous record holder was 103 years and 129 days old when she jumped out of a plane in 2019. Not much more to this story, but wanted to know, have you ever, or, and if you haven't, would you ever, skydive? Clinton, swipe left or swipe right? Swiping left on this. I chickened out on my 30th birthday when I was going to do this with my best friend who I was his best man. He did it. I didn't. But I will tell you this, value add content, speaking of things happening in the sky, I did watch James Corden the other night, 
and he did all this stuff, George, with Tom Cruise. I did not know that Tom Cruise was an actual pilot who knew how to fly very yeah. fast, fast planes very well. So the bit started with Corden and him had jumped out of a plane before, and he upped the ante for Top Gun and took them all over the place. And I was just watching it, and I was nervous. So, no, I will not be jumping out of planes at this stage of my life, Lindsay. Yeah, I'm swiping left on that, too. I've never had any interest in jumping out of a plane. Zero. You know, it's funny. When, uh, when I worked on Mason in Ireland, we talked about skydiving for some reason. And Mason proposed that everybody on the show jumped out of a plane together. And he was dead serious. And he kept us going for a while. And they, we never ended up doing it because he wanted to get it sponsored and everything. And they're like, no, too much of a liability for the Reality company. Would never. Right. That's what I was going to say. And also, a hundred and what? Six-year-old person? I mean, what are, we, what are the forms we're signing away there? I feel like the like the potential to have a heart attack or something would be extremely high in that situation. Or any organ failure whatsoever right. when you're at level 10 when yeah. it comes to life. Wow. I mean, I was worried about Tom Cruise in a couple of those scenes. I know it's fake, but, you know, yeah. from a movie perspective, I'm just like, oh, oh geez, oh, geez. But, Terrifying. You know, jumping out of a plane, I would do it, but I would need to do the tandem thing with somebody who's already done it before. Agreed. All right, next one. So you guys mentioned it briefly earlier. LeBron James is officially a billionaire. The Lakers star is worth an estimated $1 billion, according to Forbes, which makes him the first active NBA player to join the billionaire club. The only other basketball player to ever be worth 10 figures is Michael Jordan, of course, who earned that moniker 11 years after he retired when his stake in the Charlotte Hornets increased to 89.5%. This was back in 2014. Mm -hmm. So while LeBron has earned more than $385 million in pre-tax salary during his playing career, according to Forbes, he accrued most of his wealth off the court through a lot of his savvy business moves over the past couple years, like super recently. So is LeBron officially becoming a billionaire, a big deal or no deal, Clinton? Big deal to me, and allow me to use this moment to do a Sedano-like name drop. I will be appearing in Spring Hill Productions' new documentary called After Jackie. LeBron James is an executive producer on that. And I'll be going down to your town, Sedano, for the premiere in Miami. I'm looking forward to that. But more importantly, I do think that... LeBron James is an example of something that we're probably not going to see again in America. He's been famous ever since he was 15 years old, and he's never done anything wrong, and he did it with his own people, and he did it by jettisoning people that thought they knew better than him. Remember when he fired everybody on this team? was like, no, I'm just going with my boys. Everybody's like, dude, you're just going with your boys? That's how you're going to run this thing? Well, turns out his boys were smarter than everybody. He's got a lifetime deal from Nike, and he's doing all this great stuff. I love LeBron James in that regard, and you're never going to be able to convince me otherwise, George. Yeah, big deal. Um, I would say swipe right on that. I was going to say, I Um, forgot to add the caveat where I was doing this one as a big deal or no deal because we're not doing that today. My bad. We we got it. Thank you. Yeah, big deal (laughs) and swipe right, both at the same time. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's a very exclusive club, right? And I think that to Clinton's point, just to add on, you know, and he's kind of referenced this, right, in the past over the years. You know, look. Statistically, I'm not supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, who, who are listening right now that grew up in, uh, in, in a fashion that, you know, was not the easiest of times, is my guess. The, and the underprivileged to, is the word we use now, but rough is the word we use now. Yeah, right. And, and I think to, to have someone uh, accomplish what he's accomplished, to your point, like if the worst thing he ever did was I'll take my towns to South Beach. And <laughs> right. I said this at the time. This is not revisionist history like some of the Andre Godala votes for MVP <laughs> ah, in 2015. Yes. Um, I said if that's the worst thing he ends up doing, we're going to feel really stupid about it. Mm-hmm. The agree. reaction to it, obviously. I agree. 
By the way, can I just bring bring in a little some bring back what we were talking about earlier? You mentioned uh, Jason Lloyd and why he and him voting for Andre Iguodala and that whole thing and not voting for Steph Curry in the the MVP finals of 2015. I asked him. I said, why didn't oh. anyone vote for Steph in the 2015 finals Inside for MVP? Information. He says. Iggy flipped the entire series when he entered the starting lineup. LeBron's numbers were, when Iggy was on off the court, were drastically different. Iggy changed that series more than anyone on the Dubs roster. Now, after the vote, uh, wait, I don't know if I could say this part, but I'm just going to say that the thing I said earlier about they may or may not have voted for LeBron, and, and then he just said he didn't want it, and they may have had people change their votes. I'm just going to stand by that. Um, okay, all right. I, I, I also think that, George, in, in real time, the the vote was going to the person who neutralized LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like that 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 was just part of what we'll just say not we're not supposed to say on TV, George. The narrative, you know. I mean, did he neutralize him though? He still I know he Again, shot forty. I'm not agreeing, I, and that's with really it. terrible for LeBron I'm by not LeBron's standard. With it, I'm just saying. But, but that shot, I understand that. He, yeah. he scored thirty four points a game. Right. You know what I mean? I mean like, come on, come on. He did also mention that um, someone from the Cavs said he thought that Steph should have won. Because the Cavs geared their entire defense to stopping him. So right, thank you, Oprah Gift. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, not just Matthew Della Vadova, like some people thought. <laughs> Delhi, shouts to Delhi. What what's Delhi doing these days? I mean, he's Probably still in the Australia. Cavs. I think, like, he, at least he was. Is he really he was in the league? Year. Yeah, he was last Delhi's year. Delhi's still getting checks. Yep. 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 Oh, what a boss. I don't know if, if he's... I were Delhi, I'd just go back to Australia and be the baller there. You know what I mean? But he's be like such the big a man on campus. cult figure in Cleveland. Like he's like a, he's a god in Cleveland. But, you know? Okay, I mean, but yes. do you want to be a god in Cleveland or in Australia? Or, or Sydney, Australia? Yeah, yeah. that's a good question. Clearly, he might yeah. be over Australia. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Crikey. Crikey. Um, <laughs> so and, what's next, Lindsay? Do you have one more? I do. I do. So uh, speaking of uh, Nike and all the billionaire stuff, Nike co-founder Phil Knight and Dodgers co-owner Alan Smolinski have offered, in writing, more than $2 billion for the Portland Trail Blazers NBA franchise. The Trail Blazers were long owned, of course, by Paul Allen, and Allen brought them, bought them in 1988 for $70 million. That's quite, quite a difference, quite a return on the investment there. But then, you know, Paul Allen died four years ago, and the team has been yeah. part of the late billionaire's estate, which his sister owns. And she yeah. apparently wanted the Trail Blazers to be purchased by... Some very passionate owners or group of owners. So do you right, think and it's people a big that deal were no going to keep the team there too, yes, which exactly. Phil Knight would. Yes. Yeah. So big deal or no deal is my question on that. That that he's probably buying the Trailblazers. Big deal. Um, I I think it only makes sense, right? That the guy who helped basketball get to a level that it got to the NBA specifically because of his shoe company be involved in the sport in a bigger way. You know, like I don't, I have no issues with it. And I also think uh, much like Adam Silver has said in his state of the union that he's doing right now, as we speak at the NBA finals, that, you know, the preference is to have someone who would keep it there. And he would, he's an Oregon guy. You know what I mean? The Nike's facility is based in Oregon. It's why the Oregon ducks are as prominent as they are in college football because of Phil Knight. So I think it makes sense. I mean, if you've ever been to a game there, and I'm sure there's probably some Laker fans who are listening right now who have been to a game at the old Rose Garden. Uh, that's what I'll always call it. And, you right. know, I know it's called Moda Center now. Uh, but like that place is crazy fun to watch a game. Um, those people get after it. So I, uh, I, you know, I, I hope that that's the case because I want someone to keep it there. I, I would go so far as to qualify this, George, as a huge deal. 
And not just because of the Portland element, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a big labor understanding guy. But when I heard this, I thought, hold on a second. Nike makes the uniforms. Nike's got buildings named after people currently in the NBA or around basketball. Is there not quite a conflict of interest, but is there some element of a competitive disimbalance here that would be presented by the person who runs Nike to be involved with the Blazers. He's not just an Oregon guy. He is the, the Oregon, Oregon guy. You know what I mean? I mean, I and, get what you're saying. And I'm just, I could... don't know this. You know what I mean, George? I, I, yeah. I'm not saying you couldn't work it out, but I'm saying that if you're looking at a situation where it's like, oh, well, if I go play, the, play for the Blazers, I'm a Nike athlete for life. That seems, if I'm thinking, if I'm the union, I'm like, hold on a second. What is going to make sure that he doesn't utilize his Nike influence unduly to try to run his team, if that's even a thing we decide is going to be a problem. I actually legitimately want to know that from, you know, the powers that be. Um, I, I guess, you know, you're, what you're saying is perhaps some salary cap shenanigans. Yeah, or more so just like, and maybe not salary cap shenanigans, but do you do you have an unfair influence on what players are willing to do in their careers because of what you can maybe provide them after their careers as a result of having closer proximity to the Nike corporation because of the team you play for and your owner, you know what I mean? And I don't know that that's fair to even criticize that might be outside of the purview of what the union does, but it's certainly a question I would ask if I was another oh, owner. It, it, in the league. And I think it will come up. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about yeah. that, but look, the NBA is eventually going to be in Vegas and there was no bigger issue for them um, or any sport, really, uh, professional sport in this country than the gambling aspect and the taboo nature of it. So if they can work their way around that with now the Raiders and uh, the Golden Knights and maybe eventually a baseball team and it seems fairly obvious that it will be an NBA team at some point, if they can get around that, I feel like they can get around Phil Knight and Nike. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I just it, to me, it's a it's it's not that it's not the same. It's just that it's a slightly different kind of. It, okay, hurdle, I'll, I'll do it this way too. You know? If if Phil Knight owned, if Phil Knight was buying the Lakers or the Knicks, maybe. Okay, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that I th- I still think it's going to be brought up. I think you're 100 percent right. Your hunch is right on this. Word, but I think it would be a bigger issue if it was one of the glamour teams. Okay. Okay, that's fair. But that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, and my boys from high school team, they were all like, yo, is this fair? And I was like, I don't really actually know. Excellent yeah. question. And we'll find out, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, that is Big Deal or No Deal and Radio Tinder all wrapped into one. How about that? Uh, so we've got one more segment to go before we turn it over to game one of the NBA Finals right here on 710 ESPN, your home for every single NBA Finals game. But our buddy Blake Harris, who is our Dodgers insider, uh, subscribe to his Substack. No one's doing better work than him on a day-to-day basis on the Dodgers uh, support this young man. We love him. Uh, we think very highly of him, hence why we have him on weekly. He's going to join us in two minutes. But first, let me remind you that Radio Tinder is always presented by our sponsor, Tequila Mandala. Mandala. Always swipe right on Tequila Mandala. Award-winning small-batch premium sipping tequila made from the finest mature agaves available everywhere. Fine tequilas are sold. Visit their website, tequilamandala.com. Mandala. And of course, do what I do. Demand the extraordinary with Tequila Mandala. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. 
Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. I think that's Mason's problem. He was burning too much. That's why he showed up to work today. look out. This is a banger. It is a banger. So game one of the NBA Finals is going to come on here on the air as soon as we're done here at 6 o'clock. But every Thursday on the show, we talk to our man Blake Harris. Subscribe to his Substack. Nobody's doing better daily coverage of the Dodgers than this young man. So we support him. Hopefully you support him as well. So, Blake, I, let me just tell you a couple things I'm out on right now. I'm out on Craig Kimbrell. Um, you know, very similarly, interestingly enough, I had this, a similar observation with Kenley Jansen last year where I felt he was getting lucky. Uh, his strikeout-to-walk ratio was really poor, uh, I thought, early in the season last year. And he was just getting too many guys on base for my liking, and I felt like he was being fortunate. Now, with Kimbrell, it feels very similar, except I have less of an inclination to believe that he can find his way out of it. Where do you stand on Kimbrell and the closing situation at the moment? Yeah, who would have thought that uh, at this point in the season, Dodgers fans would kind of be uh, begging for Kenley Jansen to return? Uh, especially, you know, the way that he went out last year. But, yeah, I mean, Craig Kimbrell, I mean, he's gone off to as bad of a start as you can have imagined. I mean, again, he talked about it last year with Kenley. It seemed like every outing he was allowing someone to get on base. But, you know, the numbers were still really good. I mean, they were all-star caliber numbers. Whereas this year, I mean, Kimbrell's ERA is just below five. Essentially, every start or every outing, I think 13 of his 16 outings, he's allowed at least one base runner. So, it's been ugly. He's putting guys on base. Um, which is kind of weird because you, you look at his advanced numbers and apparently all of his peripherals are actually really good. So I guess luck isn't on his side, whereas, you know, last year luck was on Kenley's side. So hopefully based on those underlying numbers, things turn around. But yeah, Kimbrell, I mean, he's been, you know, the worst reliever in the Dodgers bullpen at this point. And looking at numbers as a whole, he's been arguably the second, third worst closer across Major League Baseball this season. It's something that the Dodgers have weathered a little bit, but these last couple series, particularly against bad, not last couple, but they've, you know, not played well against bad teams, particularly this last sweep against the Buccos. I mean, I didn't love the way they hit with runners in scoring position. I don't love the way they approach things in that regard specifically. But from your standpoint, what did you see that went wrong outside of that in terms of the Pirates series? I mean, watching that series, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they looked like they were the better team. I mean, they hit with runners in scoring position. They pitched really well. And, their defense was phenomenal. I mean, it seemed like they were making goal glove play after goal glove play, and the Dodgers, things just didn't go their way, like you said. Didn't hit with runners in scoring position. The starting pitching was awful. The bullpen got lit up, and they made some really, really key blunders on the bases as well. So, you know, it's weird that, you know, you lose to a team like the Pirates, and it seems like, you know, the, the sky is falling. I think it's the first time the Pirates actually swept the Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium. Uh, since 2000 I wasn't even in elementary school yet so I don't even recall that so it's been a long time but I, it was just I think one of those series where you know the other team comes in things are clicking for them I mean this is the Dodgers team we expect them to win you know 65 70 percent of their games and that's the crazy thing about baseball you can win 105 110 times in a season and you're still going to lose 55 to 60 times so not a good series hopefully wash it off but that, that was certainly interesting watching a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates of all teams come in and 
essentially look like the uh, World Series contender. Blake Harris, our buddy here, Dodger insider, joins us every Thursday at 545 to talk Dodger baseball. Is Gavin Lux good? Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't feel like – part of me says there's probably not a large enough sample size, but part of me says, like, my eyes tell me there are. Like, is he good? See, that's the tough thing with Gavin Lux. If you were to just go in, watch him play, look at his numbers, he's a slightly above-average player, which, as your number nine hitter, you will take in a heartbeat. The problem with Gavin Lux, he was a former number one prospect in all of baseball. This was a guy that was expected to be a perennial all-star, potentially be an MVP candidate. And he hasn't lived up to the hype. He hasn't met expectations. So a lot of people think because, you know, he hasn't lived up to the hype of the number one prospect in all of baseball, he's the boss. But, you know, again, all of his numbers are above average. He hits for contact. He's, you know, great on the bases. Defensively, he has his ups and downs. But, again, this is a guy that, you know, is your number eight, number nine hitter on a day-to-day basis. So, again, you don't need him to necessarily be an all-star caliber player. Um, he's probably one of the best number nine hitters in all of baseball. But I agree, you know, it seems like, you can't really make up your mind on whether he's good, whether he's bad. Um, I'll, I'll go above average. He's above average. Um, so hopefully that's able to uh, answer your question just a bit with that. One guy we know who is good, obviously, is Mookie Betts. Had a crazy May just in terms of everything he was doing at the plate. But I do want to ask you beyond his excellent play, Marcus Lynn, that is, how would you grade the Freddie Freeman fit at this point? I know in the beginning of the season he said, yeah, this is a little, a little weird. You know what I mean? And he's come over. He's been a leader. He's had, you know, plenty of good moments. But I'm just wondering how you look at this at this stage of the season in terms of how he's meshing and how he's fitting for what their goals are uh, between one another. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to give him an A-plus, but, I mean, it's it's as close as you can potentially get because with how much Max Muncy has struggled this season, the Dodgers have desperately needed a left-handed bat in that lineup to be consistent. And Freddie Freeman, I mean, he's having an all-star caliber season, so he's been fantastic. He's been a great number two hitter right behind Mookie Betts, right in front of Trey Turner at the three spot. And he's playing gold glove defense. I know he had a pretty costly error the other night. Yeah, in the ninth, yeah. Char- yeah, which was so out of character for him. And the thing that I absolutely love the most he owned up to it. He said, I'm the reason that they scored the go-ahead run. So he took account, account, accountability. Sorry. And I just love it. I think he's great in the clubhouse. Every player absolutely loves him. He's playing, you know, gold glove defense. And again, with the bat, the power isn't quite there this season as it's been in previous years. But, I mean, he's been hitting three above 300 for majority of the season. And again, you look at his numbers across the board among first basemen. He's one of the best. So, uh, tough to give it an A plus, but again, I I think maybe like an A A minus so far. I mean, he's he's exceeded expectations so far. Blake Harris, our man, subscribe to his Substack. No one's doing better daily Dodger coverage than he is. Uh, give me the latest on Clayton Kershaw and Max Muncie. Yeah, so the good news is with Clayton Kershaw, it looks like he's going to go into rehab assignment this Sunday. He's going to be at Ratchet Cucamonga, and it looks like assuming all goes well, he could be activated. As, uh, as early as next week. So the Dodgers will be getting him back in the starting rotation. And for Max Muncy, it looks like he's going to go on a rehab assignment as well in the next week. So my guess is a week from now, maybe 7 to 10 days, Max Muncy should be back in the lineup as well. And it looks like Andrew Heaney, another name the Dodgers you know, haven't seen for over a month, he's going to be going on a rehab assignment soon. So it looks like within the next, like I said, 7 to 10 days or so, the Dodgers are going to be adding back two key pieces of their starting rotation and a uh, former All-Star and MVP candidate in Max Muncy. So, uh, you know, they're getting the guys back slowly but surely, and it looks like about a week from now they're going to be fully healthy. Last thing I'll ask you, between that the injury situation you referred to and the high expectations for this roster, how do you think Doc's done so far putting these things together and managing this team? 
I mean, I think he's done a great job. I mean, there was one game earlier in the season that I remember things just completely fell apart. I think it was against the Phillies where he mismanaged a lot of things. Um, there were a lot of questionable decisions that he did, but I, I think Dave Roberts done a phenomenal job, you know, so far this season. Usually a good way to determine that is just to check Twitter following the game to see if the manager's name is trending. And I think I've only seen that once so far this season. So, you know, he's had to deal with a number of injuries. He's had to deal with a number of guys that have been slumping throughout the entire season. So I think Dave Roberts has done, you know, a phenomenal job. A lot of people say, I know I can manage a baseball team. I could do yeah, that. Right. But I think it's, it's a lot harder than it looks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. So I, I think he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, again, with the hand he's been dealt, uh, the fact that the Dodgers, I think, are half a game out of the best record of the National League. Uh, no complaints here with uh, Davis. I've seen that one game a couple weeks ago that I'm still a little salty about. All right, Blake Harris, subscribe to his Substack. Follow him on Twitter at Blake Harris TBLA. Uh, brother, thanks for joining us. We will talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Warriors and six. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, wow. Blake. I had a feeling that was coming. There was yeah, a take we, coming. Yeah. By the way, he's not alone. Everyone on the ESPN set has picked Warriors uh, to win. Jalen, Warriors in seven. Will Bond, Warriors in six. Stephen A., Warriors in seven. Magic Johnson, who's on set today. Oh, Warriors in six. And Urban. Greeny, Warriors in six. Very well. I believe in Dungeons Which means now Boston is definitely one. Clearly. <laughs> I love it. Uh, come it. on, hashtag bleep Boston. What the yeah, hell? I know, but I mean, the bottom line is, is that this is a great matchup. That's just all there is to that. I love it. I'm glad to it see is. it. I cannot I, wait to watch this daggone game tonight. I'm now, fired maybe, up. Maybe some people on their way home will see Jalen Rose at halftime uh, wearing a pink suit. And listen, it takes a man with great confidence like mm-hmm. Jalen Rose mm-hmm. to wear a pink suit. Uh, I, I look. I've made some clearly some bold choices on uh, attire on national television, particularly oh, yeah. at NBA games. I don't know if I do that. Although I can, I did actually. The only time I'd worn something pink was I did wear a pink top, uh, like a jacket, uh, on the night we uh, dedicated to Craig Sager in honor uh, of Craig yes. Sager. Yes, but yes. that was the that was his, that was the only time I've worn so, it because it was extra bold and also for a, a good reason. Yeah, no, that's sort of a novelty, but it's a great reason to do it. My, myself, I ex- I explored a lot of pastels recently when I was at wow. the uh, Kentucky Derby, yeah. So oh, that was wow. uh, that was big. And now we go a little uh, you know, aqua, a little teal? No, I had a little lilac going. Lilac. Um, yeah, lilac. For those that don't know, it's in the purple face. Yeah, <laughs> thank you Lindsay for that. We played that game before. Um yeah. I had a little lilac going. Also had a had a bit of a, a white blazer going, so. Ooh, see white I could definitely yeah. pull off. Yeah, yeah so, I know. I'm good with that, but I need to look I just need to make sure the tan's on point you know yeah that because then you've got an awkward contrast situation i don't have correct. that correct which problem. for me is not that hard it's literally just one day you yeah. know what i mean like just a couple hours maybe maybe even an hour fair enough yeah so clinton cy i'll see you tomorrow thank you for sitting in brother absolutely are you coming in tomorrow i'd like no, to see no, your I face mean, oh I, I, you know, no i'm not okay it's right. friday bro fine bye. traffic you know. uh, yeah all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to thank talk you to you. yes muchas gracias si. uh so laura uh thank you very much Lindsay. Excellent work as always. Uh, appreciate you guys for listening as well. Thank you for taking the time to tune in and uh, put up with our nonsense. Game one of the NBA Finals is up next.